Well, this is T.J. Marsh with an echo, apparently. <laughs> okay, we're going to be live tonight. I'm excited to have some great guys on here. I'm going to be the only woman. Janet Carroll Lesson is over in Maui, Hawaii with Dr. Lesson doing their thing. So they won't be here tonight, but they said uh, hello, everybody, and make sure their presence was missed. So <laughs> this is for Janet and Sasha Lesson. We're doing the Space Allied Command, and they will assist us in marketing and promoting this on their channel called Aquarian Radio. So let me get my co-host on here, a mad painter, but stand by a mad. Let's get Ken. He just called in. Ken R. Johnston, astronaut from the last future of NASA and the future. Future. I'm present. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. (laughs) I'm so glad you tuned in tonight. We got some great guys here to talk about this space allied command. And I understand you are a space person, and you spend a lot of time with Grumman and NASA, so we'll be getting into that in a minute. But is it okay if I could bring them on? Because a mad painter is calling in from uh, somewhere in space, but he went out there somewhere in space and grabbed another guy named Russ Kellett. And I can't wait for you to meet him, so this should be an exciting show. You ready? I'm looking forward to Yeah. Okay. Okay, here we go. Hello, Mad Painter. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I get tickled when I hear your voice. They say I have a southern accent, boy. But I'm I from New York. I love your voice. I <laughs> know, that's what's so funny. How can you be from New York? Okay, well, let's get everybody tuned in here. Let's say hi to Russ. Russ, can you hear me? Let's get a clear sound check. Can you hear me, Russ? Kill it. Hi there, DJ. Okay. Well, hello there, Russ. Now, you're not from hi. New York, are you? Where are you from? Actually, yeah, I am. What? <laughs> No way. No, no, no. <laughs> I would have really been shocked. Okay, where are you for us? On this planet. <laughs> On the I'm planet. from Bradford, West Yorkshire, originally. Uh, where, uh, what part of the planet is that? It's near the Brontes. It's, it's near Haworth, where the Brontes, you know, Withering Heights and all that sort of thing uh, you know, Jane Eyre, Bronte sisters, you know. Actually, actually, I don't. Could you explain that to us people on the other side of the pond? So you're in UK somewhere, is that correct? Are you in Wales or India or Europe, uh, Russia? Yeah. <laughs> you're in the uh, UK, North, aren't you, North, somewhere? North Yorkshire, Where? England, North Yorkshire. Oh, North Yorkshire, England. See how different that sounds when I say it? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love your accent. I do. I love your accent. Well, I can't wait to get you guys speaking amongst yourselves, so we'll try to do a roundtable and get you guys talking. But we're sort of specializing tonight, Ken, on going to focus on Russ Kellett. And uh, I put up Space Allied Command, folks, instead of Super Soldier or Secret Space so we can blend everybody together because the MAD does all this futuristic stuff in his head from another part. 
and understands bilocation and planets and does all this artwork. And Ken is a bona fide uh, consultant type astronaut from Grumman that worked at NASA back in the day when I was there with my husband. And my husband was running the typing pool where they'd take all the translation and type it. And I've been reading Ken's book, and he's really fascinating. So we're going to get Ken talking to Ahmed and talking to Russ. So now that we've had a sound check, I hear a lot of uh, moving around, just so you all know it gets picked up on our this side of the pond on YouTube. So if uh, Ken and Russ and uh, – but Ahmed knows because he gets on the meet. But, um, folks, try to be still. Or, or either you can mute if you've got a phone there. But you ready? Because Russ and Ahmed are both radio show hosts and uh, literally host, not co-host. But tonight, they're both co-hosts with me, but it's their show. So Ken, Ken R. Johnston has decided to help me on Friday nights with the Allied Command. So Ken Johnston is over here in Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma, that's where you were born. So uh, he's no, in New I Mexico, wasn't. close to Albuquerque. Where do you live? You, you, you live in New Mexico, up. right? I live uh, out of south yes. of Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I was born at Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas. Oh, but, wow, real Texas. Oh, no wonder you can we, we got a round table of four different accents. There we go. We need to have green lights to pop up to know when we can interrupt. <laughs> okay. I don't even know who said that. Somebody was talking to you, Ken. All right. Uh is there a feedback? Maybe it's me. Hey, man, yeah, is it I me think get, with the feedback? I think no, I think it's coming from uh uh Russ. I think his speakers are up a little loud. Oh. Yeah, I, can I, don't have any, out. I don't have any speakers on at all. I just have my uh, cell phone. Okay. All right. Well is I've got better? my sound down. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, let's start with Russ. Russ, if, before we get started, just uh, do you want to say anything to Ken so we can get everybody listening to your voice a little bit so their ears can get used to hearing the Texan talk to a whatever uh, North, North Yorkshire person? <laughs> okay. I'm the one with the thickest accent. I don't know. I'm up there with, with the mad. But mad, how do we get started here? Because we're mixing accents, and I want Ken and Russ to get to know each other. I'll let I'll mute, and Matt, I'm going to let you do this because you've got uh, well, Russ with you. Well, so, really, Ken, Russ I'm gonna, I'm going to mute. Russ really don't have an accent. We're, we're the ones with an accent. He speaks English the proper way. So of course, no, of course I don't. <laughs> no. We refer to that as the Queen's English. No, I, I don't speak the Queen's English. Definitely not. No. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. A bit of I, I detect a bit of Scottish in there. Do I? Uh, definitely not. No. Oh well, it, it has a bit of an accent. Sound like it. Well, well, I'm Scots, so I, you know. By the way, those of us in America, you know, we're, we're um, Heinz fifty-seven because I'm Scots, Irish, English, French, Apache, and Cherokee. And I'm not sure what an extraterrestrial I might be mixed up in, but we're all we're all pleased to meet you, Ken. Say it again. Pleased to meet you, Ken. Oh well, thank you very much, and same here. Looking forward to us building something here. Sounds good to me. Well, well, uh, Ken, it's a pleasure meeting you. Uh, this is a mad painter, and uh, 
One thing you need to know about uh, Russ is Russ has the biggest collection of UFO sighting uh, uh, archives that there is in the UK. Fantastic. Yeah, to go back to the 1950s, and then when I started in the 80s, I've, I've kept on collecting UFO reports and video evidence and, uh, and photographic evidence, um, you know, some old cine film, etc. Not much, you know, just a couple here and there. But yeah, it goes back to the beginning of um, this subject um, in, in 1950 um, with the, the start of um, the, uh, the, um, the British uh, Flying Saucer Bureau which originally was the uh, the Flying Saucer Bureau, which originated from America. Um, now, but now I set right. my own group up, and where the, um, well, we're known as the British UFO Hunters. Not that there's, an, <laughs> not that there's many of us doing any um, UFO hunting uh, these days, to be quite honest. Um, you know, um, the internet's taken over so much that... Um, you know, to to get somebody actually gets out there and actually does a job investigating, um, is well, I would say um, few and far between. You know. Okay. Now you said um, 1950. Now um, I was born in 1942, which makes me 77. Were, were you already born in 1950? No, but. Um, I actually, I um, purchased an archive which goes back to the 50s. I was born in the 60s. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, so basically I purchased, purchased um, you know, a big uh, box full of UFO reports and um, photographic evidence, etc. And, um, you know, it's just a minute, the, the reports themselves are invaluable. You know, just amazing. Right. But when you look at uh, some of the UFO reports, what people were actually seeing back then, you know, um, yep. you know, like craft, just amazing. So you really you're talking about your arc? It's your archive that goes back to 1950. So I got it. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Sounds good. Well, Ned, what, uh, what what do you bring to the table tonight? Again, sorry. Uh, <laughs> mad? I'm just a curious person. I, I've, I've never had a sighting of, uh, other than a light in the sky one time back in the 70s. That was it. And I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was just a light. Well, no, but I'm one of them ones that believe and don't need proof. <laughs> Some of us have got to come up with the documents and the records and everything else. And like Russ, um, he, he's got an archive going way back to the 50s. And myself, I have I have the copies of the originals off the original negatives and everything else. And so the archive that I kept, when I was the, the director of the Data and Photo Control Department at the uh, LRL, that's Lunar Receiving Laboratory, uh, I kept five complete sets of everything from uh, the, the videos, the um Oh, wow. Um, all the slides as well as that and uh, the pictures taken with the Hasselblads. And uh, 
So I, I, whenever I was told to get rid of them all, all but one set, I argued until the guy said, I don't care what you do, just get rid of all but one set. And so I did, and I kept one whole set for myself and kept it in, in uh, storage for a while from 19... 1960, 1970, 1971 until 1980. In 1980, I kind of came came out of the closet with uh, Richard Richard Hoagland whenever he had me uh, bring evidence and everything of the archive and what we had discovered on the moon and backside as well as stuff on Mars. Uh, and before the National Press Club, and I believe it was in 19 good grief, 1989, 1998. I'll get it right someplace in there. So, anyway, we um we all look like we've we've done our part in hanging on to evidence and stuff. So uh, it's this year I have dubbed, and see, you guys go along with me if you do, tell me, this is the year of full disclosure. And it's about time that everybody else gets the opportunity to decide for themselves what they can handle. So I'm, I'm already putting the information out there. Yeah, I, I've, I've been following you since you come out with uh, Richard Hoagland and uh I find uh, uh, the, them photographs are fascinating. I've, I've combed over quite a few of them. I literally go up and uh, go to Gigapan and do a lot of search, and I've seen, good God, all kinds of things. And, and yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that there that there's definitely civilizations out there or was at one time, and that they have visited oh. us. Yeah, and they're still around, most of them, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't so doubt it. I mean, I I just haven't, you know, I had no personal experience with any of them, but I don't need it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the point now that almost everybody doesn't. You back in the fifties, if you mentioned uh, aliens and stuff, the people they wouldn't believe that it was possible. After all, we were the center of the universe, the Earth was, and now you talk about uh, ETs to anybody in the public, and and you ask them, do you, do you you think there's probably intelligent beings out there in the universe? And, Oh yeah, sure. So I, I don't run into well. There, yeah, there are a few people that still believe on the flat Earth too. So <laughs> there'll always be somebody out there that wants to get publicity by being stupid. I think. But believe it or not, that's one of the only subjects I will not talk about on my shows. Is that flat Earth? No, it's just there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right uh, when I if, if I, me, I'm going to continue a little bit. Whenever I have somebody say that um, oh, um, about pictures of the moon, and um, oh, they, they, they will, they'll come up with excuses and say that, well, they don't believe there's any uh, – that we actually went to the moon. And I'll, I'll ask them, okay, now, um, do, you, do you believe we have satellites going around the moon? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I said, and uh, we've, they've been taking pictures of the moon all around front and back side of the moon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they photographed the areas where we <laughs> said we landed the Apollo spacecraft. They go, oh, uh, oh, yeah. I said, and if you zero in on the pictures taken by the satellites around the moon, you can see where the rovers were left, and you can see tracks of where they drove. Now, how did those get there if we didn't go to the moon? And they they go <laughs> dumb, and they stop, and they go, uh, I think, well, I said, why don't you go check it out <laughs> instead of listening well, to somebody else saying dumb. When I was a kid, I actually watched all the moon missions go up. I lived in Cape Canaveral. Wow, way to go! I only got to watch I got one. to meet a couple. I got to got to meet a couple of the astronauts when I was a kid. I, uh, Shepard was one of them. Um, yeah. 
I can't remember the names of the other ones, but I and I got to uh, actually eat uh, out of the microwave oven before they were sold to the public. That's and true. I told them this will never work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I just say hey. that? Uh, hey, Rick. Do you have microwaves yeah. there in, in, in where you live there, Russ? <laughs> say again, please. I say, do they have microwaves over there in the UK? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I very rarely use them. I keep away no. from microwaves. I'm, I'm but, just uh, <laughs> joking with you. Something I'd just uh, like to ask you, you know, you're talking about um, the, the uh, you know, Apollo landings and everything. But, you know, I've seen a certain astronaut basically deny that he'd even been there just recently on, on sort of like TV and on, on YouTube. So what, what do you think to that when, you know, if you're the first astronauts? Yeah, if you're referring to Buzz Aldrin after he was being picked on, he says, of course, of course I never went to the moon. In other words, basically he says, of course I never went to the moon, you big dumbass. Pardon my French, but... <laughs> Uh, we have documents and records and proof of that. So yeah, that, it's not the one that I saw. That the the video that I saw, it, it, you, it didn't actually work like that. But you uh, seen the one he was talking to a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was yeah. he was just saying that was a question that she should have been asking, not the one that she was. He wasn't saying he wasn't going to the moon. That was taken out there of you content. Go. That's right. It, That's right. He actually punched a guy one time for saying that he didn't go to the moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. He doesn't really mean to say it's right in punching somebody, does it? You know, I mean, basically, you know, because he punches somebody, you know, he, he didn't make Well, no, right. you know, I still, I believe we went to the moon. I, I, You know, if we went to it the way they said it or not is is up for question. And I do believe that some of the footage may have been filmed in studio, but in the time period, you couldn't show three astronauts landing on a moon and getting killed on live television. Well, and only two of them actually actually landed on the well, moon. Yeah, three two of them actually landed on the moon, yes, sir. Each mission, yep. But, but uh, that, I mean, that stuff was all live on TV at the time, and they couldn't have showed people dying up there on live TV, you know. No, and, and there was there was a fake movie made just for that purpose because you have to keep in my, mind the reality of the fact that we were in a race with Russia to be the the first ones to land on the moon, and uh, if if they crashed in the process and died, it would. It would throw us so far back that the Russians would have beat us. So I'm, right now, you don't have to help me the name of the Hollywood uh, producer that uh, made the video. Stan, Stanley the Cooper. There you go, Stanley Cooper. And the uh, problem there is somebody within his organization thought it would be kind of cute to show the, the picture that they did, how they filmed and made it look like they were bouncing along, trotting along on the uh, the lunar surface. And then they were going to say, well, you know, they – they died on the final return, and uh, that that was that was the game plan they had. But then when these people came out and and pu- didn't publish, but it leaked it out to the public, the fake that we were on the moon. It uh, gave down this many years since, fifty years. Can you believe that? And the young people who weren't even born, weren't even a smile in their <laughs> the folks' eyes. They they see that or they hear about it. And they well, we never went to the moon. 
Do your own research. Don't listen to garbage. Prove it to yourself. And that's that's when you'll see you run into people like you folks and, and myself that have evidence and documents and can prove that we definitely went to them and stop looking at the fake movies. Okay. <laughs> I think it's, it's up to each individual person to, to look at it and, uh, you know, to basically come up with uh, their own uh, ideas and their own truths. You know, we can't tell people, you know, how to, how to research and what to believe in, you know? You know, and, and it, it gets old having to um, re-educate those that, that you know haven't done any search of their own because they, they've got their minds made up and they don't want to hear anything that's going to disprove their little pet story about, oh, well, they didn't go to the moon because I can see this. I saw this picture and the way it goes. So you, we just have to let some of them hang out to dry <laughs> out in the boonies somewhere and we'll just keep moving along with the reality of what we've accomplished and what we still have to do. That gets us over into your UFOs, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, who who wants to take yeah, the lead? I, on, on... I I don't think even if a UFO landed on the White House lawn, you'd still be part of them to say that's not real, that it's set up, that it's a conspiracy. You know. Absolutely right. You know, sometimes I'm at, I think that we've gone we've gone too too much the other way. I mean. Just because there is, um, you know, quite a, a large number of um, the, the general public that do believe now, doesn't mean to say that it's a good thing, you know, because some people believe in anything, and that's the problem. That is you know, a problem. I think, gone, I think we might have gone too far the, the opposite direction, you know. Well, the, who's who's the circus guy that said? Uh, there's a fool born or, or a sucker born every minute. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, but that that goes back way back before you were born. <laughs> that comment. I think, so. like you say, if people actually did some research and sat down and, and looked at things instead of just you know believing, you know, um, I think we'd um, we'd be far better off. Yeah, well, it, it, that's, totally that's a big problem, and like I was telling you before the show, there, Russ, uh, yeah. it's a big problem in the UFO community. They 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 want to argue instead of sit down and uh, you know talk it out, and because what happens with one person and what happens with another person, just because they don't line up, don't mean both one of them's wrong. No, no, that, that's yeah, right. I agree. You see, Ken, the the thing is, when when I've been introduced earlier, um, you know, we're talking about having, I own a, um, one of the oldest archives um, in England. Um, that's just me. There's other people that have archives as well, you know, um, in 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 England uh, from other groups, etc. Um, but I I actually got into this subject um, as an investigator looking into things I couldn't explain um, in my life, things happening like I was having missing time on my scooter, missing time when I got a motorbike, when I had a car. I had strange events took place um, when I was abducted. So I'm actually, I was abducted and I became an investigator because I was looking into the subject of UFOs and I've done what you see. So, and, could you, and like I said, could you, 
Yeah, could you give a little information about uh, what species you were abducted by? Were they, were they the small yeah. ones? Go ahead. Yeah, well, the ones that tall, the, the very tall, human like 10 foot tall and 15 foot tall. Uh, there is, uh, in, and, and this is in the unit, uh, this alien race that actually abducts me and puts me into a military unit to fight for them. Um, yeah. They're like um, human like, but the bald, they look a little bit like um, Nesferatu, you know, um, or Dracula out of Salem's lot. The, the teeth aren't as pronounced, but the ears, the eyes, and, you know, bald and, um, like I say, 10 foot tall and 15 foot. But there is something as well um, that they're protecting. Those are primarily... Whether it's their, like, royal family, which seem to be even bigger than the 15 foot creatures, the aliens. That would either be the Nordics or the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki's are the really super tall ones. I believe the Nordics are, I believe it's shorter, 9 to 12 feet. And Anunnaki up to 14 feet. So that's, that's, didn't do it metric for the Brits, but, you know, with about 15 the feet. Is, they, never told me, they never discussed what planet they came from as such. Um, because it was like we're taken, we're there to do a job, put into a military unit. We, we trained to fight with soldiers, and um, there's women in the bases as well as. Um, males, most of the protection, most of the security in the underground facilities are females. And the reason for this is, and they're mostly from Earth, that the women have been taken because they've got some kind of ability, it's like a psychic ability, and they they, they can actually feel and get a sense of presence of one of their enemies that can actually materialize anywhere but they can they can feel them about five and ten sometimes the good specialists can actually sense them 20 minutes before they turn up in an area so they're what you call um, special security right i have i'm one of the only males that have that ability to do that and I'm basically I'm a scout in the in the patrol in my unit. But how old were you when that, that happened? Say you were how old were you? I'm sorry. Um well it's been lifelong. I mean this happened when I was fourteen um and it is it is carried on. I was on a motorbike, I came to a level crossing, I stopped at a level crossing, I was hit by a light. The next thing, you know, um, I remember the day, I, well, later on, um, I remember being in a circular room with a checkered board floor. Each side of me, there was like a, um, a pillar with this like um, power orb, light globe on top of each of the pillars. And I seemed to be floating and one hand touching one of the objects and the other hand touching the, the other object. And I seem to be floating. And in this room, there seemed to be like knights of old in this circular room. That was like, that was more or less the start of my memory. 
have been taken. And I remember yeah. being in a, a room, um, I had um, this helmet put on which had a tube going down into my throat and uh, yeah, I was choking and this boy said, you know, don't worry, calm down, just relax. And uh, um, then uh, we, had, we was sort of like, there was hundreds of us in this arena and it was like in this sort of like chair but was suspended from like a ceiling and we was watching in front of us um, it was like a training exercise going through weaponry and, and all sorts of things and yeah. then basically um, we went we were um, brought back down then went over to this um, this long room and they had a sluice and um, we had this thing that came down and we had a drink of this like water um, and we were sick um, after they'd taken the helmets off, you know. Um, yeah. And then basically went through this thing. It was like um, a mist that sprayed us. Um, we had this uniform put on us um we put this uniform on and like went through this blower it dried us and what have you and then we had another helmet put on and then these weapons came down and we all um was given a weapon and went along this um like along this um what you could only be described as um like a walkway you know like through this big gateway you know mm. um and basically were taken and was taken to a, a different uh, planet where we was fighting a battle against their enemies. Wow. The first so, time I've heard the story first time I've heard the story about anyone being abducted and, and uh, being shown or using weapons. By the way, uh, Ned were were you abducted? He's probably got us on the <laughs> Yeah, I was saying, Ned, were you ever abducted? Ahmed, was you abducted? Oh no, no. Uh, like I said, I've only seen a light uh, in the. In, actually, oh, what I seen was was a, in space. It wasn't even on Earth. It was out in the middle of the ocean, and it was documented uh, by the Navy, and that's all I've seen. <laughs> I've talked to quite a few super soldiers and people who have been abducted, though. I've done quite a bit of interviews about it. Yeah. The thing is, um, when all this happened to me and I I started researching and investigating um, the UFO and abduction phenomena, I started going out and filming. And I've actually got film footage of me actually filming a UFO and it zaps five balls of lights down. And you can hear the click as it hits me and hits the camera. And you can actually see the, the lights um, basically going up me, going up, you know, like, um, sort of like into me. And you can hear me say, oh, give me the camera as I handed it over to a friend. Give us a camera. Uh-huh. I would just want to check this out and sort of like when it happens. And that's a bit strange. It's it's just done something a bit strange there. And then I've I've been out and I filmed um, flying men. I filmed dolphins in the sky. Um, I filmed um, flying triangles coming out of the sea in in Filey Bay where I live. Two 
two flying triangles come out of the sea and take off. I filmed them for about 20 minutes. And you can actually see when I pan back, you can see the side of the road where the bay is, you know, and you can see the, the flying triangles at the side of the road in the, in the bay, you know, um, coming out of the sea. It's all there, you know, and um, unfortunately, I used to write for a, a magazine and submit stories. And when I told them, uh, my dad asked me, you know, how comes you're not talking at the conferences? When I pulled the editor up and I said, how comes I'm not talking at the conferences about this? Oh, we can't have you talking about bloody aliens with guns. We can't have you talking about uh, about being abducted and, and fighting for an alien race on this planet and another planet. And, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, these are the people... These are the people that were supposedly getting the truth out to you. Never got to you, did it? This is 20 years ago. Never got to you. Okay. Yeah. Their, their job, for instance, like with myself, um, I go all the way back to Dr. Thornton Page um, and working with him at NASA and showing film. Uh, he had me show a, a, um, a 60 millimeter film on Apollo 14 and, um, to um, well, probably, oh, there were six other scientists there, and when I was showing it on the uh, backside of the moon, uh, in um, the crater called Tsiolkovsky, there was um, about five domes of of um, larger buildings inside the edge of that the edge of the crater. And the interesting thing about that is, the next day, uh, you know, oh, everybody was excited. There's first of all, I said that um, the scientists that were there that I was giving a private showing to. And the next day, I checked out the same roll of film to show it in the auditorium for the rank and file people, and I was so excited about they were going to get a chance to see an alien base on the moon. And when we approached Crater Tsiolkovsky, we came there, and we flew right over, and it had been painted out, and there was nothing there. And I asked Dr. Page what happened to it, and his comment was, there was never anything there. Isn't that sweet of him? Anyway, I was going to say, since then um, – <laughs> Uh, number one debunker, and that's um, James Oberg, who I actually worked with in the same building, seven, with the other astronauts. He was on the third floor in a mop closet-sized office is what he had. No windows, nothing right in the middle. And I was on the second floor with nice view of everything else. But uh, um, his job is to attack the individuals, and that's what he, he's done to me, tried to attack. And every time he does, I bring up documents and records and proof and all that. Got to the point where his handlers told him he better leave me alone because I'm making him look stupid. And, uh, boy, he did everything he could do to try to get me killed while I was over in India giving uh, uh, lectures and talks to universities and things. It, it was nip and tuck for about 36 hours that I was uh, unable to be found. But I, w I had been taken to an uh, airport and put in a holding, holding area by their chief of security, and I was put on an airplane that, Got me over for a, a flight back into the United States. So they're still out there, and I, I'm, I've just recently been trying to find out if Oberg is still, still alive and with us. But apparently, apparently he is. So uh, there, there are people out there that still will try to disprove everything you say, unless you've got documents and the ability to lead them in, kind of like what I did about the uh, uh, satellites around the moon and photographing areas where we were and getting them to agree till they all of a sudden they realize that 
they're agreeing that, yeah, we really did go to the moon. Well, that's, that's the only thing we can do is just keep pro- providing proof in the, our own personal experiences. And if you – have either one of you, uh, Ned or um, Russ, had uh, gone through hip, hypnosis and they had a hypnotic regression and go back and uh, record what your experience was at the time? It, you know, it's basically um, hypnotic therapy, but uh, have either never one of you – Never needed to. Never, never needed to. I remember everything. I remember everything. Well, that's I great. Can tell you my unit, I can tell you the name of the unit, even my, my rank. I can tell you my serial number. Um, cool. I can tell you the weapons, what we use, you know, um, the bases. I can tell you what it looks like in the bases. Um, like I say, about the, the special security, security that are actually females because of this ability to um it's like a dragon this thing what you call reptiles it's a reptile race um, that seems to have the ability the reptilians yeah it seems to be a a reptile race that has this ability to be able to just um flit in and flit out and basically and break their security so um the, the females and some males a very very small percentage of males, but can actually, uh, you know, um, pick this up, and um, you know, sort of like um, stop them, shoot them, um, and stop an attack before they actually, you know, turn up, etc. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's why they need us. That's that's why they need certain females. Uh, you're that's why you're they need fading out. Males. You're fading out. Yeah, that's why the the needers the needers. Hey, you know, Rush, you faded out. And I, can't, I can't hear you. Just a little mumbling. Can you hear me now? Or maybe it's me. Yeah, I was going to say. Ahead, Ned, can you hear me? I can hear you fine, and I can hear him fine. Yeah. He's he's on he's with me. I've got him on a Skype call, and then I call in. That's the only way we could get him into the show. Yes, so um, like I say, um, you know, there's a lot going on. These aliens, uh, I've got a, an inkling that they were from Mars originally. You know, I, I've got a, an inkling that these aliens that take me this race, they never discuss where they've come from apart from once by accident um, when I was talking to one of the officers. And um, that's when it, it, apparently... Um, they'd, you know, lived on Mars. So there'd been a war on Mars. Yeah. So I, um, I found out where the problem was with with the microphone. I my hand pushed the uh, <laughs> the button that took the, the 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 volume down to where I could hardly hear you guys, and I thought it was your fault. It was mine. I pushed the wrong button. Sorry. <laughs> it, it's okay. We'll, Technology we'll is a wonder, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Makes you wonder, could this guy really be able to fly a spacecraft? It makes you wonder. <laughs> oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, well, Ken, how many of these? Uh, you, you said you have a whole set of these photos. Uh, how many of these photos do you have of the moon? Just out of curiosity. The question is probably how many thousand do I have? Um, oh I have God. A, yeah. Well, my job there at the Data and Photo Control Department was to maintain a complete archive. Uh, original set 
of all the, the pictures that were taken, both uh, videos as well, not videos, we didn't have that, we had <laughs> uh, movies of it as well as the uh, Hasselblad stills as well as um, um, just about those taken from saddle from the um, command module that was going around the moon and um, the, to see the first the first landing, Apollo 11, the only camera was what Neil Armstrong had and he had it mounted right in the front of his sternum on his chest and so the only pictures when you see an astronaut uh, in a picture on Apollo 11, that was Buzz Aldrin, not Neil. So anyway, <laughs> so I had access, and whenever I'd have scientists would come in to pick up a portion of a sample that was brought back from each one of the missions, they would also want to have a picture from orbit of the area of the moon where that sample came from, photographs of the sample laying on the lunar surface so they could see the angle that it would be, because that would affect the amount of solar radiation that that particular sample would be receiving in the position where it's laying on the lunar surface. So they, I had to keep a, um, a set of five all the time, because I never knew when one of the scientists had come in from anywhere around the world. And whenever I was told to dispose of them, I, I, put, I put three sets in a, a density dumpster and just dumped them. In fact, that Kind of, kind of nice that some of the people, um, I can't think of her name right now, um, discovered a bunch of them laying in the density dumpster, and she saved them. And then, um, so that was out of five. That took care of three. And uh, I had one that I had to keep as a, as a control, a primary control. When people would call in and say, there's something that looks strange on such and such a picture, and all the NASA pictures, by the way, if, if you're looking at a picture and you don't see in the upper left corner of the um, – uh, the, the, the name of that particular picture, such as like AS AS15, that means uh, Apollo Space uh, 15 dash, and then the, the number of that particular frame. If you don't see those, there's a possibility that that could have been doctored and, and messed with. So anyway, people would come in and they would they would want to get uh, the copies of the pictures where their satellite there's there's were. So that took care of uh, the ones that I maintained. Anyway. So whenever Bud Scholar came in, he was my supervisor for the Brown and Root Northrop Corporation there. Uh, he's the one that told me, that, well, it says, well, we're going to need to get rid of all of them but one set. And I argued with him for a while back and forth, and he finally he, he got frustrated. And he says, I don't care what you do, just get rid of all but one set. And that's the old, only thing I needed is to be told I, he didn't care what I did with them. I dumped them in the density <laughs> dumpster, and I kept one whole set. So he said, how many? So we had um, – yeah, Apollo 11, 12, well, actually even Apollo 10 that went around the moon, but 11, 12, skipped 13 because it didn't get to land. But there were some, some really good pictures. Um, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. Apollo 13 may have photographed Tchaikovsky on the backside, which is – and also um, had evidence of some craft following them. So that, that took care of Apollo 13. So you had 14, 15, 16, and 17. And I, I kept uh, one set of all of that. So I have several hundreds of um, prints that I keep in um, covered document holders. Um, what would you call them? Um, you know, where, you, where you'll take an important document and you'll put it inside of a little sleeve of uh, clear plastic and like that to protect it. Because if you keep right. the oxygen from getting, getting on the prints, the pictures, yeah. then it can't age that fast. The pictures I have... Right still look just about as good as they did 50 years ago. 
Have you ever considered selling copies of them? <laughs> well, no, because if I do that, then NASA goes after me because they weren't mine to mine to sell. And ah, okay. what I did is I <laughs> I I photocopied, I scanned everything in the archive. I took a set of everything I had and took it to Roswell, New Mexico, into the um oh what do they call that the the Roswell UFO Research Center and Museum. So they have my digital copy of my whole archive. And then I sent copies to my old alma mater and college and several others. So once they've been scattered out all over the world, um, they couldn't very well go after me because it, they, <laughs> they couldn't shut it down. So that was my only protection. It was Richard Hoagland's idea was to get me to Washington, D.C. and before the National Press Club and present the data and information. So that went around the world. And that was the big protection that I had to keep, keep me from being bumped off, even though I think Oberg tried to do that while I was in India. <laughs> but thank God that. So can, was, can I, I, I've been following Hoagland since he was since he worked for NASA or for the news organization, anyways. Yeah, can, what was the name of you? You know, you said that um, obviously, you know, you've seen the, the buildings at the far side of the moon. Um, have you actually seen any um, evidence of actual aliens themselves? Yeah, I, I think the one of the best answers to that question is there is a right on the Terminator between the front and the back side, and I can't remember the name of the the um, crater area it was. There, there's um, um, some excellent pictures that were taken in orbit of that base. But when you get to looking at them, what do we as humans do when we put uh, lay out a um, oh, a suburban area? We survey it and we put spacing for each one of the um, uh, buildings to be put and all this stuff. Well, all the, the pictures you look at them, the the domed structures are spaced out just yeah. perfectly different size. And over where they have the the giant big domes, which are probably the communication persons, they're they're aligned. And in, after decades, I finally got to realizing that, and once I found out for sure that we weren't the only ones on the moon, and I'll tell you about that if you want me to. Um, the, yeah, in fact that I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and say, when, when Apollo 17 was on its uh, way back, um, the communications to mission control was picked up a signal that said, um, do not return. You're not ready yet. Now, somebody's beeping. I don't know who's beeping us, but they, they need to join us. <laughs> anyway, so um, so you asked about the, the domes. Oh, let me let me go ahead and throw this out so everybody knows. Two years ago, and I don't know if it was planned or not, I was rear-ended in an auto accident, and it caused a little bit of leakage in the frontal lobe. And um, I can be talking about a subject and all of a sudden freeze up, and I'll have to say, okay, now, what was I just talking about? Once you do that, then it clicks again, and I can keep going. But that's that's been a real pain, and I don't know whether they were still out to get me or not, but I'm doing the best I can. And it's been two years, and I'm almost almost healed. I'm getting better. So <laughs> what was your question? Yeah, so uh, um, you, you was going to tell us about um, – you said you were going to tell us about maybe um, about aliens – 
you know, on on the planet and these uh, okay. these buildings. Yeah. Now that's where I I had gotten into um, looking at the way the the domes and the structures. There were over a dozen, uh, and these things would be the equivalent about oh probably you know size of a football field. Um, how big the dome areas were, and there were so many, I'm like nearly a dozen. So those, I, I've come to believe that those most likely are a part of our secret space program that established that base. Now, the ones, the other ones, and Crater Tsiolkovsky on the backside, this is the way, in my opinion, the way aliens would do is they would blend in their structures of their their domes or what have you to where they blend into the area where the, the the edge of the craters are, like the craters here, 150, 150 miles across is how big Tsiolkovsky uh, Crater is. And on the side, you've got like a cliff wall, and there's these five major domes. Actually, when I explain it to people, if you take your hand, turn your palm right side up, and then bring all five fingers together, and you look at the tops of the fingers like little bubbles, well, that's the way that structure was. Now, I can believe easily that those had to be established and put in there by extraterrestrials. Because if you look at the other ones that we, I know we have, they're all aligned just perfect and set up. And um, that's that's the way I can tell. But I, and, and the roads, there's some roads that show uh, a type of um, rovers, like the lunar rover, and then we have the rovers on Mars too, but that travel in and out between these other domed buildings and things. So that's a close and then taking the pictures from orbit, um, you're talking about uh twenty miles high around the moon. Whereas on the earth it's you know, you get about sixty miles high and you get about the same look. So actually being able to see in the aliens on the lunar surface walking around and stuff like that, no, I've never seen anything, but I've seen the evidence of their the structures of their buildings. Was that that answer? You've got these to to view. I'd like to mention these structures. It's page uh, 328, Ken, Lunar Ruins AS12-497224. Very explicit, folks, on the photos. You would think they look like launch, just like the rockets sitting up. One's called a masonry. One almost looks like a Mars shuttle, an old Mars rover or something in the top right corner. It says Lunar Ruins and the Horizon. And uh, it's very explicit of things that Ken says. These are the numbered film that's in his book called Ken's Moon, K-E-N apostrophe S, Moon with an explanation point. And it's revealing the dark mission of NASA. It's an autobiography by Ken Johnston Sr. And I just thought I'd throw that in. And if you let Ken know, uh, it's a Mars One astronaut, spell out one, Mars One Astronaut at Gmail. He'll send you an autographed book. Mine says, To my dear friend, Teresa J. Morris, this is just the beginning of the ACO and me. 25-1-2019. I didn't get it 2017 when he had him. <laughs> when I met him in 2017, I would like to say remit because we were both back in the 60s in the NASA and Grumman buildings and all that. So we're Saying we we're re, I, I, re-meeting again, I, like I did with Jenny. You and I would, but I wanted to throw that in. Good picture. Thank you. Ken. Go we, ahead. I think we were sitting in the same uh, briefing in the headquarters building where uh, Dr. Um, 
Oh, yeah, William Tompkins. Bill Tompkins was there, too. So you and I bumped shoulders and where you were and, and where I was during the space program. So, But you were you were a part of the the secret uh, with the CIA or with the FBI. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, I don't think we had a name. We didn't talk about it. But I did get to go in all the buildings. I had a really good clearance. But, see, I had gotten in when I was uh, by the men in black and like a smoking guy that was an X-File. See, he, they escorted me out of a movie theater to recruit me in, back in, uh, I think, 65, 66. But uh, May, by May 67, I know it took a while to go to uh, uh, Washington, D.C. to get our clearances, but it uh, it didn't take that long because we were just teenagers. So you see, and I asked the psychiatrist that when I went to Washington on my rehire because, you know, when I was a teenager, there was nothing that much to check out. So think about how easy it is to get young people out of high school, right? You've seen the people that come in ROTC and the Navy and the Marines. and So it's very common to this day, but it was really common back then. And uh, that's how William Tompkins got in because he was such a great uh, artist. And I haven't read his book, by the way. And uh, I got to meet him in a hangar. Two hangers, actually. One in uh, Dayton, for whatever reason, I was called there. It was clear. I could nobody told me anything. Then I got to meet him in San Diego later, late, 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 late in life. But uh, it was it was nice. I was glad to still be part of the inside group. And the reason I can remember him, believe it or not, thank you, was uh, yeah, and his uh, hair, and they called him Bill. And uh, it was just uh, nobody used William R. Tompkins. Nobody used you're going to meet somebody important. Nobody used any of that. But by the time we knew each other, but they just said you're going to meet Bill. And and so both times it was Bill. So I don't know if that helps anybody understand. Even when you're in that and, and you're meeting people and you think you're, you know, everybody knows everybody. No. He was strictly introduced to me as Bill. But even when I met him later in life, I was driving a truck and got called back in because I guess who I was in my clearance, and I delivered uh, parts. But in the beginning, you know, I was in and out of country. Then I was uh, trained, a lot of training in the Navy, and then I got to go and uh, Fort Hood and uh, go to sleep with smog or smoke in the air. <laughs> And then I got to uh, go to Hawaii. <laughs> this is all after NASA now. <laughs> it was a fun life. It was a lot. Of, I don't. I've forgotten a lot of it, but uh, there's some like Russ, you know, that you just. The most important parts stay in your brain. You know, you think they do, and some of them come back. But uh, I pretty much have a, a pretty accurate memory, and uh, I thought he was a funny person, but. When I met Ronald Reagan, the men in black were around, the Secret Service, and he wasn't even president yet when I met him. And then uh, when I met Bush, he was president. I met him at the park in uh, Houston, uh, Memorial Park, when he was going to run. I was over playing tennis, but it was all set up by the men in black. So I've I've had a good life, and I'm glad to be doing this now. Now, why am I doing radio and we're talking tonight Space Allied Command or Allied Command Sacred Space? I've got Space Allied Command, Russ, and Allied, and it's whatever it means to you, but uh, my husband died, and he was the only one with the five-star patch, and 
uh, Ken has agreed to help me get this going again. So we'll have a group of people that have worked around all this many levels, and I'm trying to establish a type of uh, group that we can figure out the various levels of existence. And, Matt, how would we do this uh, for people? Now, now uh, Ken, just so you know, uh, you're a Marine right here in Pensacola, where I'm, you know, next, right across the river here, across the Three Mile Bridge, right? I'm right here in right. Gulf Breeze. But, uh, and uh, actually, Matt, if I had to get to him within a day, I could, because he's just over the Florida line around Baldusta, right? And he was Navy. We were both Navy, and we both had above, you know, high clearance. I'll just say that in this reality. And that was so you and who? my question, me, the guy on here, his name is Thomas Becker. Tom Becker on here, we're calling him a mad. Yeah, I just go by a mad the, banger. I don't hide my name. <laughs> <laughs> the best but he is right. an author and an artist. I wrote that down there. Yeah. Uh, if I call you Ned, is that what you like preferably? Hey, Mad. To explain that hey, to me, Tom. Uh, oh. You have to explain it. Uh, I'm in a little slightly insane. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> he was a painter, and he does paintings of space and weird things oh. like uh, – well, they're not so weird, but uh, – Biologicals like uh, octopus or jellyfish or something <laughs> out in space, and and uh, one of Hoagland's the guys actually, uh, talked to. Uh-huh, Hoagland's actually asked to use a few of my uh, graphic works in his presentations in the past. I don't know if he has, but he's asked me, and I told him. Wow! To well, you should find out that we should put that in your credits. Yeah, I mean. I, I've yet to build him. I've been building him a resume as we go, <laughs> but we've got to get his artwork together. And uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'd like you to. Uh, Janet told me to ask you for some artwork for the front of our book, just so you know. So uh, Ken, he's an artist. Told her she could use whatever she wanted. Books. Oh, really? We're gonna. We're gonna. I can tell we're gonna work together because a lot of stuff we're out of memory. I know where things were, and then if you can take the pictures and paint into them or recreate or. Whatever, whatever comes out for real, that that'd be cool. That's uh, uh, kind of sort of what, um, uh, what, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, rendition. Yeah, not Jan, not Janet's. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Karen. Yeah, Brett. 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 Brett yeah, yeah, Brett. Brett Collins. Brett? Yeah, he's a pretty good little artist. In fact, that he yeah. he did the cover on my um, the, the regression of a NASA whistleblower. By the way, whistleblowers. To us back in NASA days was um, was a negative thing. I mean, we thought terrible of somebody a whistleblower, but now now that they they tabbed me with the title of calling me a whistleblower, I realized whistleblowers are the ones that are coming forward with the information and telling the truth. Since we now we know who are, who's been hiding things from us. But anyway, the little little book called The Regression of a NASA Whistleblower was where Dr. Um, Sasha Lesson. Uh, hypnotized me. Uh, I thought it was like maybe 15 minutes. It was two and a half hours, and uh, we transcribed it and put it in there where he went in and found out just exactly when I left uh, the planet Earth and went over to Mars and who I dealt with. That's actually where I ran into Andy Bichago and um, 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 White Crow um, was on Mars. So there's lots of fantastic information in some of these books, and we try to 
the books you guys have done and pictures, we, we all need to stick together and kind of promote each other's things because that way we get the full truth out to the public. So it's time for full disclosure, and I'm pushing as hard as I can. Anyway, uh, Allied Command, you were talking about that, um, TJ. Oh, I w I'm going to throw in there. Um, have, have, um, Ross, have you and Ned been in the military, either one of you? Have I, I been in the military? No, I, I haven't been in the military. Uh, I was in the, uh, in the Navy in the 70s. Okay, good. The Navy's Navy's important because they're the ones that got the Marines over there, so they get shot at. <laughs> I know what you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the. I spied on the Russians, is what I done. Oh, good for you. Um, I went in the Marine Corps in 1962. Well, and uh, we'll talk about that some other time. That's that's the way it goes. But um, you, um, TJ, you were talking about Allied Command. I was going to say. Um, because of ancestry, there was in the Confederacy there was a general by the name of General Albert Sidney Johnston, of all things, and he was a um, um, a four-star general. And I I decided, you know, if I'm going to be um, uh, part of the Allied Command, deal, I'm going to go for the full uh, five-star fleet commander. So <laughs> that's kind of the job you you outlined for me that you want me to handle. So I'm going to do my best. Anybody want to help me there? I need all the help I can get. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I was talking to Matt and Russ. You can help us out here because, Russ, uh, how do we do this? It's uh, levels of existence, levels of consciousness, and people are going to think that maybe you dreamed this, and, and I know I didn't dream mine, and I don't suspect you did. So how are we going to explain it's like being in other timelines, but we need to get this down. So, Ken, Ken, we, we need to discuss that because the Allied Command is going to be allied, meaning everybody, and probably all the various different species. But I worked with Allied Command off of Andromeda, to be quite honest, and I'm hoping a mad is going to listen from his in Russ. Because Russ, you know, working off planet, they, it's not like they tell you a lot. It's black. You may show up somewhere. We've even talked about uh, portals and uh, and not in uh, virtual reality, but was it? So this is something, folks, that we've got to figure out on our own. They're not telling this us. This is actually in, happening uh, now. It's actually happening on our planet. It's happening around the world. You know, I mean, okay. what I'm trying to explain to people is that when I'm taken, it's not just going back to um, either the moon or Mars and any of the other planets. But there's actually, a, I mean, during the, the Gulf, I know for certain that um, we was taken, we, you know, was looking for um, some technology, some ancient technology. And um, this is one of the things that I think is actually happening. I know that there is a number of alien races all fighting. There must be because we're fighting alongside this alien race and they have many enemies. Many of their enemies are from different planets, different alien races, but also on this planet, you know, there is, it seems that there is an alliance on this planet that uh, have an alliance with the other alien races that we're fighting, 
and you know you you could look at it like America, England, Russia, China. They all seem to have an an alliance with a different alien race, and they're fighting for technology, and they're obviously fighting for um, supremacy, basically. And you know that's all I can say. So there's something going on, and it's not just out in you know the universe. It's here on this planet, and it's it's happening right now as we're talking. I mean, it's like look at Syria. You know, uh, the 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 place is a bomb site, but you've never seen anything. You, you know, there's been nothing shown on television of all what's gone on over there. How comes that a place is so obliterated? But like with the Gulf, when when the you know um, the first and second time when we went into the Gulf, how comes that there's been no information about what's been going on? Don't don't anybody think that's unusual? Well, one of the things that I go ahead. I want I want to jump in here is that the 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 majority and and um, all of them that I've been dealing with uh, extraterrestrials are not of the, the warring type that want to, to fight and dominate and control. They're dealing with the same thing you see in, in the movie Star Trek series on TV is, you know, you don't go into a new a new planet and uh, show that you're extraterrestrials and you've got all this power and you can do all these things. They they go in, they deal with, try to deal with the government. And that's what ET started to do when they were coming forward is to go to the White House or meet up with the, uh, the Queen or what have you. But um, that wound up not working well because um, our the people that have the power, being governments, presidents, and, and rulers, they don't want to step down in any way. So that has allowed or I mean made it for the extraterrestrials have decided to come directly to us, the people. And so that's what we're what I think we're dealing with now is where you have contact with extraterrestrials, you you've uh, seen craft, you've been abducted. And that's happening to the point now to where I think the majority, and I'll push it all the way up to around 90, 90% of the people. That's why they believe that uh, extraterrestrials do exist. And yes, yes, they're real. And we're at the point now where the governments have all promised that they were going to come forward with information, and they've been reneging on that for the last, what, the last two decades, four decades? And now, they can't come forward. They can't come yep. forward because the, the, you'll find out that there's been a war going on. For like a good fifty years, you'll find out yep. that, that that they've been using humans for slavery. They've been using all different types of slavery, including sex. They've been <laughs> not, not using all, people not for food. Pardon? Yes, I said you're right there, but that's not that's that's just a small percentage of extraterrestrials. The vast majorities are the ones that have pretty much have set back and allow us to mature as a species ready to no, take but, our what, what, They haven't done that. What they've done is they've allowed this planet to be slaughtered. They've allowed wars and they've allowed people to be taken, abducted, raped. They've yeah. allowed people to be taken and used as food. 
but Russ, in order to stop that, they would have to have you know you'd have to have full disclosure and accepting us into their uh, their fold, and we're not ready to be you know to do this. Uh, this is why it has to be done in no slow. Excuse. It's no excuse because I'm, all the time, all the time people are being abducted, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be abducted, and I don't think anybody, you know, anybody that uh, has gone through what. I've gone through, and, and some of the other things what people have gone through want to be abducted, especially put into a military unit. Never asked for that. Don't want it. What about all the people that have gone missing, the millions of people that are missing from this planet that nobody knows where they are? What about them and their families? You know, no, I, I fully agree that it, that it's wrong, but it's it's the people who are in control of the countries that aren't allowing it because they're in bed right. with these other ones that aren't uh, friendly. And, and that's say, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Small. The level. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish that. No, I'm, yeah, I was saying that that um, there are the, the the reptilians, the negative reptilians. You've got the pro and the con, the good, the bad, but then. The vast majority, and, and like you see in most of, and that's part of the way of, com, of communicating and preparing our species of humans is through our sci-fi, our science fictions, and movies and things. And yeah, we, but the, the, the majority aren't good. That's what I'm saying. They can't be good because the fact is that if I've come across this alien race that's abducted me, right, yeah, and we fought battles with different alien races, plus the races, our own races on this planet. Right, yeah, that would tell you logically, right, yeah, that there is quite a number fighting, right, yeah. So, I mean, like, it just depends, you know, sort of like their good might be our bad, our bad might be their good. So, you know, we might have something. Well, if I look at it realistically, we're looking at 20 alien races, right, yeah, times that, I mean, that's what I've come across. Right, yeah. Right. So you've got to look at the, the, the actual the numbers and say, well, that's just 20 alien races that I have come across. Right? Right. Right. So then there's, then there's the people that are in those alliances from this, this earth that are fighting alongside them. So that would suggest that there's, <laughs> you know, just depending which way you look at it, you know, how many are, are nice that are, you know, sort of like not warring, etc. Well, it appears to me that there's quite a number that are warring. If there's 20 that I've met, you know, it, it shows you. You know, let, let's talk about what's really happening here. Let's, let's not talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about the, really what is going on, you know? What is well, really going on? Russ, you got to the, you got to understand as many people who have bad experiences, there's twice as many people out there who are declaring they had good experiences. So that's what I was saying. How about. do you know that? But how do you know well, that? Well that's what they're saying anyway. Well that's but then again, well, if if you think what is he saying, the other question bounces right back saying all the warring and fighting and stuff going on, what's your proof of that? So, you know, we've got to be realistic with each well, other. Well, I'll say the realize. proof of it is because I was told by an editor of a magazine, we cannot have this, we can't have you talking on a podium about this. That's my evidence. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's my evidence. 
have been censored. So when you understand that, you you, you ask the question, you know, well, you, you know the answer. You know why I've been censored. Why you've been censored? Well, I think it has you know. to do with... I think it has to do with the world and the way we keep it rolling. But, uh, Russ, when I went off playing it, <laughs> we, uh, I, I didn't question anything. Now, I have two different realities, one like you did, where I had memories, and I didn't understand when my husband, we had fights because he was Army and I was Navy on this re, in this reality, you know, in this, this time span. We were both in like roughly 1980 to 93, but I got in what you would call intelligence or, I don't know, training. Mine was training from 67 forward, but I became an investigator, and I would know things. I think mine was a lot of having skills, having died, and having gone over to White Sands. I don't know. I don't know. uh, Let me put it this way. I don't know who was training me, but it felt like several factions on the planet. You know, there was the regular training from my family and then my family off planet. And then there was the government and the regular schools and then me wanting to work for the government. And then when I got a job as an investigator, the men in black came to see me. But I remembered the men in black when I was in high school, right? So they would just come and go. And then when I went to CIA and uh, polygraph retina scan and all that for rehire, on a Wednesday, I came in on Wednesday and Thursday was rehire day in the Langley Tyson Corner area, and uh, you know we did things like follow each other, turn around and follow. It was it was weird stuff, but it was just girls and guys coming to be do their physical because we'd already done all our paperwork and it'd been cleared, and I was already a GS and NASA and OPM got me there. But I noticed that was there's the civilian people that get their paychecks. There's the people in the uniforms that get their paycheck. And then on both sides of that fence, not, well, we're not talking the military-industrial complex yet, but there, you know, I worked, went out and worked for corporations. I got to drive a truck in and out of corporations, including Microsoft, U.S. Treasury, and the military defense and underground and storage. So I got to see a lot of how everything works on the planet. But and even off the planet. So what it, certain people get are levels of clearance to see things, just like when we're in war. But what uh, – my husband's gone now, but he and I worked with a group that looked like us, off planet, just like us, and they were uh, various age groups. And uh, we we could come and go, but we couldn't put back 15 minutes. So we could be gone 15 days or 15 years but the only thing they couldn't put back on the planet because there's no time and space. But as it shrunk back down, I guess, and brings us down to this planet, we would only be gone no more than 13 to 15 minutes. I can't remember exactly. But uh, that was the same thing on that. I used to remember this chef's name on his watch, so that's what I used when I was younger to put all these facts together, but I'm still putting together the facts. But for every... Uh, one of the groups that worked with my husband that came down to watch the war, World War II, off the spacecraft, they were older people, and you could tell. But Tom was, you know, in his early 20s. He got in at age 20 and got out at 33. But he said the man didn't look that much older than him. He said maybe in his 40s, but he was like 1,500 Earth years old. 
But remember now, there's no time in space, remember? I mean, so think about this one goes around the solar system. So there's not the same value. And the faster and further out you get from this solar system is different in space. Time is different. And it was really hard for me to understand this, but it took me 20 years. The 20 and back program sounds funny, but you could be gone 15 years, 20 years, 50 years, and still come back and only be missing 15 minutes here, which I've yet, my brain, my poor little human pea brain cannot understand what's happened to me. But I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is I have a part of me that did know how to use equipment like the uh, gun. I was told you on Facebook, I weapon I could put on my arm, you know. And then my husband, I didn't think I'd ever been trained with the weapons. I mean, I've got some certificates in there on my wall that a couple that I had security training in Illinois with weapons because I was in personnel and information security and I was in business information security and, you know, uh, learned things. All of it was training on the planet. So I've got that. And then my husband one time, he didn't trust me, but his handler from uh, Washington, D.C., when he was working for President Reagan, brought him my uh, file, my hard copy back in the day. Before computers, we had hard copy, hard files, and his handler knew because he was raising such a ruckus with, I don't know, people and the sheriff and FBI and everybody. They they knew he was he was you know <laughs> he took my gun. I think he was going to kill me. We don't know. We were like the Mr. and Mrs. Smith of America, the movie, right? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> on one of my levels of reality. But I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought he was giving out classified information stuff. In other words, talking about this stuff on the road as a truck driver. So they didn't want him putting out classified information. And even a, a guy in this business uh, talked to me, George Filer. And now I've heard him drop his name on stage. I've seen it on, in, in the last month on my own television here that he dropped Sergeant Thomas Morris's name out with the aliens and stuff. See, and this is what the government was worried about. But I started doing this stuff and putting it out there from 2006 forward. But actually I had permission. We were supposed to – our job was to uh, get to – I'm, I'm guessing because nobody says – this is your rank, this is who you are. Now, I get, did get called a commander, but that was by the spacecraft, and Tom did too. So we were assuming we were commanders. The, uh, when you get in, it has a voice, and your DNA has to match. So you're chosen. They said we were chosen. Uh, the thing is I knew you before you were born, and then so they had a way I learned, but it took me – now, remember, this took me 20 Earth years to learn this. So that what I'm giving you is the compact version to help people understand, yes, there's good guys and bad guys. So you probably live next door to a bad guy. I know Tommy does because they burn the house down and they sell drugs and stuff. A friend of mine that comes on the show once in a while. So people are bad on the earth. I didn't see any in space. And what I was taught, and this took me, now remember, it took me a minimum of 20 years. Actually, it took me my entire life from the time I was born and come down here and, and, you know, have a human family and then went in space that came and saw me like Taken, the little girl, Ellie Clark, Steven Spielberg did a Taken. And my family lived in Lubbock. Some of my grandchildren still live in Lubbock, Texas. I mean, there's too many things. And I happened to um, have one of Steven Spielberg down the street in Hollywood where I used to have an uh, office for five years. And the girl that ran my handbags and small other goods, one of her neighbors was Steven Spielberg that made that Taken. 
So there's no coincidences, I think, in my life. But to get back to off-planet, they were very kind. They had uh, said – I'll just give you the short version. They had uh, explained to me and Tom it took me years, and I used to keep notes when I'd have a vision or go go get uh, taken or something. But Tom and I uh, both had similar things after living together 20 years, and we – repelled each other at first just like you you know you get angry because you're taken and you don't understand and you're fighting and blah 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 and there's all the and then there's all the people that have good experiences well mine was good but i had these memories i had memories before i went off playing it of the war part like you did and then that's why i can access them and being on board a ship, and it wasn't Star Trek. It was reality. And then using it, and physically, I can't remember. I remember shooting AK-47s, but I remember having space weapons that my hand was grown into it biologically, and I could uh, shoot uh, like plasma rays. It's really interesting, and I've heard plasma with – people say these things aren't run by nuclear, but me and Tom would say it's nuclear. It's nuclear. It's a different fusion. It's like using uh, Bob Lazar trying to explain cold fusion, and now we've got an intelligent teenager doing this stuff. But what I can surmise is, yes, there's good and bad aliens. There's good and bad people on the planet. And, yes, I believe it's at many levels we're all working together. And, yes, just like all the world religions, just like the deluge or the uh, Noah's the flood, they call it the, the deluge, you know, and that wasn't the first. That was just one of many because we go back to Mu and Lemuria and Atlantis and the same thing. So in our folklore on the planet, we have all these stories in our spiritual uh, – you know, we, we didn't write most of us through the years on the planet, but we were able to, between all the uh, templates, the plates shifting – and talking to each other, we would keep them, and we would tell our children to learn this. This is your history, and that's what you know the Eskimos did, and the Indians just to use that. This is the short version. <laughs> so, um, what I'm trying to get to is there were people that trained us. They were very good people, and they had been living thousands, if not millions, of years. And the the best thing I can tell you is the oldest from billions of years ago found us here. And so all I know is they said uh, one of the, my main concerns with my husband, because he wouldn't talk religion with them at all. He wouldn't talk anything to do with your spirit or your soul or God. He'd get mad, and they'd have to turn off the uh, the, the craft. Because <laughs> I don't know how to tell you. It was the, the literal craft of the screen on the spacecraft. <laughs> Because they're so highly intelligent, they have nothing. They've out. They don't have uh, emotions anymore. So they ruled out uh, millions of years ago. The emotions didn't serve our kind. So they did away with them through generations of experiments and DNA. And uh, gradually, you change the various people out there in space based on what they're, you know, like we're doing now, DNA, you know, with horses and mice, cloning people and remaking them and shifting out. And it's all a big experiment through all these ancients and millions of years on this planet. So my job, from what I can understand, was to learn how to grow up here and learn how to observe and communicate and be one, be here on the planet but not of it is the saying in many religions and even metaphysics is be in the world but not of it 
but I am because you're human. And so you, I was born with emotions. And this has been my biggest problem and my biggest lesson because being around these people, they're so kind and loving, but it's natural. But yet I worked with the military on board ships, so we had rank. But when we were in the field, we didn't. We pulled it off, and we were black. And so a lot of the people – I think you you knew that girl named uh, – well, it doesn't matter. I won't drop names on the planet right now because I know you know her. <laughs> but TJ, anyway, can, uh, I, can you I just and ask I, you? Sure. Go for ask it. Because we're not getting to – the, the point. The, the question is, what was you trained to be a soldier for? The one, the part like you, I don't know. I have no clue other than uh, my husband trained and killed one of them because they'd never seen anybody killed on the craft. They'd never seen anybody I mean, shot. You, you don't fly these crafts. This is what I try to explain to somebody who keeps on talking about. The, the fact that there was, you know, a, a, um, an actual the good part um, versus the bad part. A pilot, the training. A, a pilot on on a, on one of these big, um, like um, ships that we have here, military rank. Itself. Why do you have military rank on these starships? If on you're the not spacecraft, it was strictly something. for jobs. You're either born into it. Or when they come down here, if your parents made uh, – this is what they taught me. If your parents made shoes the way it's been in the past, like your name maybe Shoemaker, then maybe your family has always made shoes. Whatever – it's like being in your DNA or whatever. Whatever you get good at, skilled at, that's what you become up there. But they don't need Shoemaker. Yeah, well, the, the so what's happened, what they don't is, need it. What mm-hmm. is going on? Why are these They're these still warring people. These, these you know, sort of like manned by soldiers or the equivalent to, um, you know, like um, um, RAF or, uh, you know, sort of like... Why do they um, still need the, humans? The so There's factions them. out there from what I understand, okay? There's people in charge. It's very empirical. It's very hierarchical. It's, and uh, it's still run for millions of years, just like they had queens and now we got presidents or emperors. It's the same way. Uh, up there, so they have levels over levels of levels, and they were smarter and more intelligent, and they got together in an alliance of of all these different universal order people, and they yet there's some that are from another place in space, and the reason I was in uniform and the reason I was trained was to uh, be over on Andromeda Galaxy, and help with the Milky Way Galaxy. And my husband and I worked with uh, in a quadrant because all help the people in, that we work with. Respect, when you say help, in, in, in what way do you mean help? We were trained to observe and to be a part of to learn how to do what I'm doing right now, as well I can think. Because he was weapons and I was communication. And they chose us. And I believe that they've always chosen people to do and assimilate. Only certain people that are ready to hear will hear. Only those so that are ready to hear will like hear. The United Nations. It's, yep. it's more or ahead. less like the United Nations type of organization. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ambassadors. Yeah. There's a lot of ambassadors. Think, so, yeah, yeah they, it's just like Star Wars. Yeah. See, that's what I'm going to tell you. The, the way in which 
and we found out through art history, in order to have organizations, you need to have a chain of command, if you want to call it that, and that's the reason why we're using um, ranks and things like that, because of the responsibility at various levels that you may have or we may have, et cetera. So that's, that's where, and, and already, in particularly earthlings, we're pretty well conditioned Leadership. to mil- military rank insignias and stuff. To, so that if we, we want to get something done, we, we can pick out and know who the, the big cheese is, if you will, or whoever's the responsible, and we can go up and call them, okay, uh, sergeant this or, or colonel this or what have you. And it's just a quick and easy way of knowing who's in charge or what, what the, um, uh, the level of authority this particular person might have. And that fits very fine along with extraterrestrials because they don't all bump into each other because they all want to be in charge. They have a chain of command just the same as we do. That, that amazes that, me, though. But, well, see, Russ and I have a past life together. Russ and I were both Knight Templars, and uh, we were the kind that helped protect the people. <laughs> Not was, I still am. <laughs> You're still a Knight Templar? Well, yeah. Well, I, was, I was up until, a, well, as far as I know I am, yeah. I have to ask the Grand Master, yeah. Well, as far as I know I am. <laughs> Well, when, when uh, you and I, I, I was remote viewing the first time, but uh, uh, this is another gift that they give you, and then I died and it got better. I was discussing this last night with Barbara Jean Lindsay and, and Jean. It is certain people they choose for different things, whether you're born with a name on the planet and figure out, oh, we're really good at this, but they do pay attention to that. So even though they're interested in us because they wanted to put the emotions back, but the reason was, Russ, the people got so intelligent and so loving and kind and it filtered it out, they would not fight. And for, from what it sounds like, for millions of years, they lived in a part of the universe or one of the other universes where they didn't have to fight. But somehow, when they were out, this group uh, from another universe or a wormhole or whatever technology – they said it would take them 19 years to get here. So the reason they had the 20 and back program is it takes 19 years for them to get from wherever they are in their universe to ours, and they open a portal. A, 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 well, while we're traveling now, we stay away from black holes, and we use wormholes for travel. So that makes sense to me when we do 20 and back, okay? But remember, they, they blended. They got so good, sort of like Shambhala and all that. That sounds really good and all that, and that's what all the peaceful we are love and the hippies wanted. But the fact is, when you get out in space and you've been all love and light and peaceful, which is I prefer to be, you won't pick up a gun and shoot somebody. They slaughtered a whole planet, raped, pillaged the women. Just like you see, uh, it's a warring group, that they had either forgotten about or didn't know about. It was a whole other group. So that opened up a whole other faction, and they trained these little greys and cloned them because they were lightweight. And they're, this is just what I. This is just my story, Rush. You don't have to believe me. But they uh, they they went back to their planet, and it was it was gone. So that's how they learned. And I saw this on the screen. You know, I, I mean, I wasn't living it, but and so some of the little guys, uh, they're they're. Uh, it's embarrassing to say this, but Tom had to deal with this. I didn't. But Tom had to deal with the fact that they were expendable. They're real lightweight, and they know that. You know, they, they clone them. So they have some that are real grays or little people. like China. They were like little Japanese. But now when I was on the ambassadorship, when they come and took me from Gulf Breeze 
in the last two years, they put me back up and gave me a, a rank level from commander and uh, admiral like level for this for my people, the ones with emotions and fight and all that. My race here, based on my past lives, it's based on your soul box, and they have a. I don't shouldn't tell you this. Some of them are so bad out there that they capture that they put them in a, uh, the belly of the big, huge fleet crafts, and they have their own world and their own trees and everything, but they treat them and they just feed them because they're so mentally messed up and want to fight. They have to keep them separate from everybody. And some of the really bad ones that go before the uh, alliance, like the big people that run all the – you know, all the different worlds and different galaxies, the galaxies, think of the worlds that we're living on, like big galaxies, and all the galaxies in this universe versus another one. But it's really complicated. <laughs> but the ones that were bad, um, somehow they infiltrated a bunch of others and were raping and pillaging other places, so they had to stop them. Now, that's what I asked Russ, was why are we fighting? And Tom hated it. He loved the idea of the you know peace and don't fight, but Tom hated it because he was sent here to to learn to be an a, a army guy. And he had to train them to uh, do this stuff and to fly and all that, do the things that they needed. And when um, I came back here, I had to deliver a message of how many pilots we needed. So once I start telling my story to everybody like you or people that have different pieces, we're going to get together and it's going to change our reality. And they've been scared of us getting organized in 2019 because 2020 literally means 2020. <laughs> Can you relate? But you got any – Russ, you know, if I mean you, they, they watch the souls in the past lives as part of our continuing life story. So you and me have many chapters in our book together is what I surmise. So that's why you and I are doing this again. But you're probably like one of those warriors. You're a super soldier, and you're pissed off because you're trying to put it together in your mind, and so you have hurt and wounds and healing. And I've got some too, so I get it, right? We want to heal ourselves. Well, in a, in so a way, it's, it's, fighting? A, it's a little bit strange because, um, you know, you, you mentioned Knights Templars, and, you know, someone basically brought up the fact that are we very similar to – um, did somebody um, who was a writer and um, a producer figure out through somebody else telling them about all this and come up with the idea of Jedi Knights, right? Yeah, I think it's all true. It's like uh, Dr. Rick um, Allen Miller says, yes, because think yeah, about it. Some of us wake up, what we, call, we wake up to our reality. We know it's different. It's not right. Don't you? You know it. That's what what I tell you all the time is just because it, you don't see the same thing one other person is seeing doesn't make it any less real. Oh no, no. The the difference is that um, Ahmed is that uh, when you know when you're talking about your experience and then somebody butts in and goes, oh, but no. Well, see, you, you see, when when they when you, they take you, you could be going into another alternate dimension of this reality that is a warring dimension that they don't know about. Yeah, but, people don't like you, know, you to change and, their reality. Right. They, 
do they? Yeah, that's it. You know, and we're, we we are our minds literally create reality through the uh, a holodra- a holographic projection yeah. from in our minds. Yeah, holographic. Yeah, it's what we what we can't see in front of our noses. It's actually inside our our whatever that is inside your brain because I've been out of it and I could still think. See. So There's lots true. of reports of people standing next to each other, and one can see the UFO, and the other one can't. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's all a matter of perception, of you know. So it could be you know one seeing into another dimension, and the other one can't do it. It's the same thing with you being abducted into a war zone. And it, I I don't know if it was you. It was on the show the other day when I said that. I think it was. Uh, Oh, uh, the samurai guy. <laughs> oh, Dan Cooper. Dan, Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper. You know, yeah, like, he should you interview could both him, go to the right? same planet at the same time, but have different realities happening at the same time. But you're both at the same place. Mm. Yeah. yeah I think Russ. I'll let y'all talk, and I'll go on mute again. But, Russ, I just wanted you to know that I have different memories from different lifetimes, and the reason we're looking for our past if we don't know who we are, some people are newbies. They're they're brand-new souls right out of the box. But then there's millions and billions of year-old people, and they get credit for all their lives lived everywhere, not just on this planet, but millions of them out there. And the religions, including the Mormon religion, teach that. You know, you get they call them queens and kings because they know the hierarchy. So the people yeah. that are governing this planet know all this. But for some reason, they want to keep it the way it is, and it could be for their own bloodline, which is what the Anunnaki story is, basically. Well, the people I mean, that see, are, these people, these people, right, yeah, have lived privileged lives for hundreds and hundreds of years. They've never had to actually work. They have millions of pounds given to them, you know, and, and sort of like, you know, they don't, they don't live in the real world, you know, sort of like, and the real world would kill them. So obviously they, well, they don't live want in their world. To, to, pardon? <laughs> their reality, they're on the same planet, Russ. They just have a different reality based on their material wealth and gain. And some of them are privileged oh. more than others. The more they have the less they have to do. You know, there was, my husband was a warrior and a fighter on this planet and went over with uh, – uh, he went over to Iraq and said that the guy wouldn't even wipe his own butt. He, Tom said when he was in a meeting with Colin Powell, his, uh, my husband, because uh, over here my husband never wore a cross, but just to piss off these Iranian people because they wouldn't let us going over there fighting. He says they wore dresses and they wouldn't wipe their own ass, but his uh, cross fell out, and the guy he slid the guy his gun and dared him because he would oh you know whatever the language was, and I'm not prejudiced, folks. I'm just saying that because they didn't want my husband. He, they wanted them to protect Kuwait and their oil and all that. But they didn't want them wearing crosses, so that was a big deal, you know, that we were over helping them on their part of the planet. There there was was more than this going on. I mean, like I was telling you, that uh, I know for certain that there was um, a couple of um, craft that was down, down, um, you know, sort of like in in Iraq, uh, in the Gulf, 
uh, and I know that for certain that the war was more or less about technology. Technology, you know, when they talk about the the uh, weapons of mass destruction, right? Yeah, what there was thinking that the the, the actual technology that uh, they'd come into contact with could give them that. They hadn't got. But what it is is basically, I'll, I'll tell you now, it's some kind of time travel device, which most oh, yeah. of the, the alien races have. But for some reason, there was one that was lost. It was found, and you know, there was trying to, to make it work because they had money from the oil fields, etc., to buy scientists to get this thing working. That scared the crap out of the Americans and the the British and the Russians and the Chinese because they knew if they got this working, wow, you've got big problems. If you can duplicate it and make more of them, you've got one hell of a problem. And that's what the war was about. I can tell you now, that's what the the actual um, the Gulf War was all about. Well, I got told some of these people up there just were able to observe. They couldn't participate. So my husband got really into that part because uh, they weren't telling us nothing except what they wanted us to know. And my husband, you know, didn't like that. And he told them they could fight their own damn wars up there. I mean, he did. He, got, he wanted to come back. He tried to blow up where he was. I mean, he has a huge story. He told some of it, but not all of it. Just little spits and spatters. So the only part I got was the 20 years with him. So I've got various levels of my own life, but I don't even believe it. But I lived it, Russ. I lived the various levels, you know, just just like starting off as apartment manager, and then I became went to law enforcement, and then I became an investigator, and then I became a, a government employee, and then I uh, well went over and worked and you know met with Scotland Yard in London, and you know I used to fly into Heathrow so much I, I would cry. You know, I got tired of there's only so many things I could do, and I got tired of being chased with a briefcase and being watched by men in black and all these other countries, you know, or having a briefcase uh, with a handcuff on it to keep where they'd have to get me. That really happens, you know, like a courier. And uh, it's very obvious, but uh, yeah, I had to do it, you know. It was weird stuff. It was really weird stuff, but it was a uh, cloak and dagger in games that I played, but I had to play it in order to be to do it. You know, just like when I told you that thing with a certain weapon on my hand, and my husband tied me, and I did not even know I could do it. He sat down and he watched me, and I think uh, the record was 12 seconds with him, and, and he gave me a gun or something, and it's all separate pieces, and I did it. I don't know, six seconds or something stupid, and he was like, holy shit. And he said, you, you don't know that you can do that? I was like, no. He, or maybe it was 12 seconds, and I did it at 16, but something. Anyway, it was close. That he, he was, after he got to know me, and you know, we almost got married. We went together five years before we got married. He just couldn't believe some of the stuff I could do, and I didn't know I could do it. So that's what we were figuring out on our own, but we don't know who trained us completely. A lot of it wasn't on this planet. But the people that were good to us, I understood they were trying to put back the things, the genes and the stuff that they had blended out over millions, if not thousands, thousands or millions of years up there in space. So to me, Tom said we shouldn't be fighting their battles for them. But he said when I said, well, why do they take some of these people? 
And but we knew some of them, like the Aztec Mayans or whatever, they just they take the whole group and put them on another planet. It was one of them. Some of the spacers they took the whole people to colonize space. But yet some of them, you know, were taken like ours to work underground on our own thing since World War Two. Since World War Two. In time, and I worked like, and we learned about the French underground and the French connection over in Europe and the, uh, Paris and how they did that with France and Italy and Germany. And then the United States came in, England, you know, how all that worked after World War II. But the thing is, there are people still up there. Some of them are tall Chinese, real tall, like eight feet, because I saw them. Mm-hmm. And some of them are a little short. I've seen them Japanese. Yeah, I've seen them yourself. Yeah. Well, how do you explain that? So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk to Ken again. Ken, you take this over. I think Ken's coming in understanding that there's gonna be arguments and people battled and some didn't and some were good and some were ambassadors, some are all love and light and some are gonna be all mad and fighting like we did Vietnam War. So Ken's stepping up the plate and says he's gonna handle all of us social what do they call us the mad social something. Misfits? <laughs> <laughs> how about how about we're dorks? Misfits. That works good for me. All right, <laughs> uh, well, Ken. Uh, it sounds like I, I, I need, need help. To you work go. this out. Well, what, what it uh, is, Ken, is I'm going to mute and let you and Ahmad talk. But I, we got to have Ahmad's the referee. But Ken, you're going to have to step up and realize there's people with the GS. You understand you worked at NASA and those were contractors, but you were also at Pensacola Marine, and then you were uh, uh, aviation jet specialist or a Grumman consultant. And see, people don't understand. They put it all in the same box. So in 2019, we're getting organized and getting ready for 2020 because all these people have been playing all these virtual reality games and saying they're from Pleiades or Orion or, you know, like Men in Black movie, and then there's the real Men in Black, and then there's the movie version, and then there's the Allied Command version on the planet, and then there's the Allied Command off-planet. So they've got it where they want it. They've got it so confused, so mixed up in the movies, in the books, you know, in the color books, on the virtual reality. they got the kids killing people. They don't know the difference. They've got them out there on the computers and out there with the uh, in the wars on the planet, and they kill those people just like they're on a video game. So I'm going to get off, but it's still – just say yes to it all. It all exists. If you can imagine it, it's real. <laughs> all right. I'm going to let Russ, Russ – I don't know how to explain t- – how long you did that, but look at how long you lived, and remember time's different off of playing it, and see if you can put this together, because we got to have a name for your super soldiers, and explain to them how they did that, and how do you deal with Corey Good and Randy Kramer, and Ken knows those people, he met them, so Ken, why don't y'all talk about those levels and people, and I'm going to mute, good luck, I'm, ad- I'm muting, <laughs> I'm trying to mute. oh no, I'm running away. You, you stirred everything up, and you're just going to go hide and watch and see what filters out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man's game. Didn't anybody tell you that, Ken? <laughs> oh, that's Boulder Dash. That's Boulder Dash right there. <laughs> I know. Hogwash, right? For, 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 for Russ, now for Russ and Matt, uh, I, you know, if you're looking at um, uh, Fleet Commander, I still look at uh, TJ as the Supreme Commander. So <laughs> that's the easier way to go. So, well, thank um, you. I yeah, appreciate I, that. You, you're welcome. I don't know if that's um, a compliment, though. All right, I can't <laughs> seem to mute. My computer has – what happened? Somebody – this is ridiculous. I'm trying to mute in my – help. I'm adds my tech. But I can't, 
All right. I'll just I listen, but I can't mute. There's something wrong with my computer, man. I don't know if it's an overdrive or what. My my mouse operator, won't move. Operator error. Operator error. <laughs> yeah. So okay, right. well, well, well anyway, y'all go what, ahead. What we're trying to put together here, um, as I understand from TJ, is um, it's not. Heck, I don't even think I know how to describe what we were discussing, TJ, to have an organization. And I guess with Russ, you've got more of the the military um, side of things of being sure the rest of us are protected so we can be passive, even though I've been a gung-ho Marine during Vietnam. So, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. And then, uh, and I don't know what I want to call it, Ned or Med, <laughs> painter or what. There's the the strange thing is, I mean, I, I was talking to um, a super soldier. I mean, I, you know, people have called me a so I never called myself a super soldier, right? Yeah, it's what I actually was called by somebody um, who's known as a super soldier. It was Tony Rodriguez. Um, it was, it was on a show. Sorry? What about Corey Good calling himself a super soldier? I've no idea. I don't know him. What I'm saying is, oh. I was talking on a show. Um, uh, I think it was TJ and Jenna Lessing's show, and um, I'd explained to them what happened to me, and they said this sounds like a super soldier, right? Yeah. And what happened was, I was talking, and um, they brought me into this um, this show. Um, and Tony Rodriguez was on, and Tony Rodriguez says, yeah, Russ is a super soldier. He's a 20 and back three times, right, yeah? So it was Tony, if you listen back to the recordings, that actually called me a super soldier and said I was a 20 and back three times, and then I've had other people turn around and say that I belong to a, um, a unit that is not in the alliance, but we're mercenaries, right, yeah? So now I'm being told that I'm in a, a specialist group that are fighting with this this alien race, and I'm a mercenary, and the the others in the unit are mercenaries. So this is what I've been told. All as I can tell you is I can remember everything that we've taken, that we've put in, we've been trained to become soldiers, we are soldiers, We've been on many missions, and I've, I've spoken about how how it's happened, how I've been taken and brought back, etc. Now, the thing is, I was talking about this over 20 years ago when I was told by the editor, we cannot have you talking about this. Right? Yeah, this is documented. I've got witnesses that heard the editor say this and explain why I couldn't be on the podium talking about this. So, in essence, I am the original super soldier that you people in America and around the world have not heard about because I was censored. End of story. Okay. Well, then, it's, it's about time for full disclosure, as I said to begin with. So, it's good that we've got you because you're bringing new information, or better information, I should say, to me than what I've um, gleaned from Corey and, and um, for the um, the other guy. I can tell you how we travel. I can tell you um, the weapons that we use. 
um, a sound weapons for one of the alien races, which is um, the reptilian, which has to be a sound weapon. It's the only thing that can really um, destroy it. Well, there's other things as well, but one of the, the, the best weapons, as in um, a weapon that can be carried like a rifle, is a sound weapon. Then when you're coming up against their allies working with them, you know, we've got a sidearm, but what we did is we introduced um, the, the rifle to work not only as a sound weapon, but they introduced um, something called a laser blast weapon. So it fires a laser blast as well. So you have a trigger at the front and a trigger at the rear. So the trigger at the rear is the sound blast for the actual reptilians, and the one at the front is for any other creatures, you know, also. Plus a sidearm, just in case you, you lose it, it gets knocked out and broken, etc. Um, so that's the way we travel is quite simple. I explained when I um, was abducted, I ended up in a circular room. The balls, these um, circular objects, are how we travel. We travel in between these balls of light. Those um, uh, enable us to travel basically um, through what you call uh, long distances, but also um, the, the part of something which would be called like teleportation. Now, so you, you're the one that's going to be you're you're the type and the one that's going to be protecting uh, protecting the rest of us from the the negative entities out there. And I'm I'm pretty much positive on the, the reptilians that actually were here on planet Earth before Homo sapiens sapiens were introduced or we were built here. Um, they they're the they're the negative side and I look at you as the positive side to keep us protected so we can continue to grow throughout the whole universe and take our place as a intelligent beings instead of just a bunch of wacko idiots on the planet Earth that don't know any better, they want to kill themselves. So Well you would think point. so. You would think so, but for one one slight problem. And that slight problem is that it is not as far as I know, and I'm aware, that I'm taken by a military unit working for the government. These are aliens. Um, like I say, I've got an inkling that um, they may have come from Mars originally, and their enemy is the reptilians, right? right. So the thing yeah. is, I'm not fighting yeah. for my own planet. I seem to be fighting for these these tall aliens, uh, like Martians. Pretty much the galaxy. So, say again, sorry? I said you, you're pretty much fighting uh, for the galaxy. Um, well, um, I'm hoping so, yeah. because I don't like the idea of what one of the other super soldiers called me, which, you know, he turned around and said, I'm a mercenary. I, I fight in a, well, a mercenary. Were you fighting in this galaxy? Because that would be Solar Warden Group, which would be low level in, in this. Well, not not if you're from this planet, but yeah, it, <laughs> if you're from it, the solar it, it, system, it's not very low because we're spinning on a little ball out there. You know, you look down, it's just a little blue speck, you know. But what I'm yeah, saying is what level in your conscious existence 
Do you know what level, uh, how many soul, how many uh, chapters to your reality? Is this your first life? Is it, how much do you know about your conscious self? How much is in your reality? This, this is this your first time on the is, planet? This was my reality, living on this planet and being taken, right, yeah, and fighting on um, the moon, on yeah. Mars, on another, on a, other couple of planets, um, which right, we didn't have you... names for, because I was told when right, I asked what she was, the office, what, what she was asking is if you've been reincarnated here. I have no idea. I have no. I, I, I have no idea. Okay, so as far as you know, this is your first birth through the canal, through a biological. This is your first biological yeah. human yeah. reality. Yeah. This, Do you this, have any of another reality? This whole scenario is have, me being taken and being um, put onto different planets, fighting with this alien race and fighting on this planet too. Like in the Middle East, we've been in the Middle East, like I say, um, around Iraq, etc. Um, I know for certain in Eastern Europe, um, there is a, a good possibility. Um, I, I know we've come across some extreme cold weather. Um, people have said, could that have been Antarctica? It could quite possibly have been. So there's three different areas there, you know. That, that well, then how do we have a past life as a Knight Templar? How can I know that? How can I? Well, shoot. So you don't know that you were a Knight Templar? I thought we both agreed we had a past life as a nice Templar. Right, no. We did? What, what How do I know that? Right. What oh, right. Is, okay. Right. Oh, this is confusing I, for me. All right. Well, I, was, <laughs> I was taken, right, yeah. Um, okay. was on a planet where there was supposed to be no, no humans on this planet, and things went wrong. I got shot in the back um, by somebody... Oh, an enemy, right, yeah, who um, was gun-jammed. I could have shot him. I didn't. I called and, and said, look, you know, there's a human. It looks human. There's supposed to be no human contact. And I'm trying to communicate with my team and my officer at the side, and they're not listening to me. And I'm, what's going on? So I pulled my helmet, and I'm, I'm trying to see if it's working. I got shot in the back. That knocked me into... Um, one of um, my unit, one of the soldiers, his gun went off and shot me in back. So I was shot in the back twice. My helmet was half off, which bust me in eardrum. I was laid on the floor. When I came around, I had my ass kicked by uh, this um, group of soldiers. Right, yeah. So there's, there's this unit, there's a scout group around me, and I'm getting butt kicked. I've woken up. My unit's gone. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? That's never, ever happened before. And they were talking, and they called themselves, you know, like brother. And I said, oh, you know, like joking. Oh, you know, like it's a big family. There's a lot of brothers here. And, you know, I got kicked and sort of like, and they said, the only reason that I was alive was because I didn't take the shot. One of the soldiers that had me in his sights is gun jammed and I could have shot him. I didn't. And I'm communicating with my unit, telling them that there's humans here. They turned around and said that, I said, you know, what are you? Who are you? You know, sort of like, and they said, it doesn't matter who we are. And I said, you know, brothers, I said, that's like, 
and they were dressed and they had sort of like a circle over the combats and stuff like a knight's templars with a cross and i said you look Aren't like we're going to get cut templars. off here in about a minute so there were knight's well, templars they brought yeah, me back and they, they told me that they, i they could not listen. go back to my unit again and they they brought me back into the the present day but slightly out of sync i would say Russ, we're going to have to get back with you on the levels and how many sold, but it's very complicated. It's not as simple. It's just like the world. We've got as many people out there as we've got on this planet easily, but we have to find out how many and how many souls and how many lifetimes and what level of uh, knowledge they have in this reality and how they're putting and constructing their reality and how many can see the UFOs and how many can't see the UFOs and how many think they're good and how many think they're bad and who's being recruited by who. And this is what they've been dealing with and all the churches have been dealing with and the people that are taking the kids and doing bad things. Or some people think they're taking them off. So we don't know the answers to any of this, but at least we're talking about it now. And now whether it's folklore or fiction or fantasy, we've got to decipher misinformation, disinformation, and information so even the people like us can talk to each other. And we're trying to, right. you know, vet each other, investigate each other's stories and put them together. So we have to have, whew, we have to have ambassadors, we have to have uh, ombudsmen with the military, people that work with the civilian and the families of the people that are going through PTSD and shell shock and whatever's going on here. Plus our animals. So this show, you know how it goes over, Russ, but uh, we, we went over. But I can't seem to maneuver my stupid little laptop right now, so I apologize. But uh, uh, Ken, you can see this is going to be quite complicated, and just everybody be patient. We're going to get through this, but at least we're putting together the ancient mysteries and the future with the New Thought teachings while we're creating our own reality in our present. And then we can put it like artists and art and books, and Ahmed's doing both of those, right, Ahmed? <laughs> each, one of, each one of us seems to have a, a specialty of our own, which will blend in to make a complete overall picture of, of what's been actually going on and what's going on now, and hopefully a better picture of where we're headed. That's what I'm looking for. Can you keep that in mind, please? <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> got to step up, and you said you would. So you're going to be the biggest target practice, I guess, oh on the planet. Target my practice. <laughs> but it'll be fun. We'll figure it out. Ahmed's willing to help. He was Navy. He had a TS, and he did nuclear and went over and watched the Russians. But the Russians, I say they're all up there mining anyway, and I've seen your pictures. So I know somebody's up there, been there, whether it's ancient or now. Yeah, yeah. So this is all what we're figuring out. So this is we're just asking everybody to be patient. We're going to figure out who's, who's here for what reason, how many levels there are, who's coming and going from the planet, who knows and who doesn't, and just be patient, just like you are with your family. There's some babies, and there's some very old souls. And <laughs> we're going to figure out who's who and where they fit into the big picture. Because we can share. Sure. I'm going to tell you. All right, I'm everybody's saying bad something. But, all right. Well, let's all uh, say, you know, for what we need to say because it'll go over a few minutes, but uh, it'll still go on the, for Jane and me on YouTube this way. So, Russ, we'll have to have you back. Remember, Ken. Ken, we need to get. Mars one astronaut. Yeah, nice time to you, Ken, Ahmed, and uh, TJ, and I will say good night and God bless. 
And Sun Gun Rust, did you ever email me? Because I can't, I can't find your email on my uh, list. So I couldn't send you my book, but I sent it to Matt and Ken. So Ken and Matt, I need you to read that little book I put together for today's date. That's why you got it on the planet today, and it's the Disclosure Manual. It'll give you the ABC of what I got years it? ago. TJ, I sent it to a Mad Painter thirteen at Yahoo and a Mad Painter thirteen at Gmail. Oh, okay. Cause I you use the Yahoo. I don't hardly use the Gmail. All right. Well, I, I didn't know which one was yours. And I sent Ken R. Johnston, Mars One Astronaut, everybody. If you want to play this game and you have a part, it doesn't matter if you're the first level, meaning your first planet or your first reality here, or it could be a, you could be a bilocator and have one in another reality, or you could have been abducted or taken or just an experiencer of many past lives. It doesn't matter. We're putting this story together. And a mad painter has agreed to help me, and so is Ken. I call the game ACO. That's for our Ascension Center organization on the spiritual side. It's Allied Command Organization on the military, civilian, industrial complex side. And it is uh, let's see, Ascension Center Allied Command. Uh, I have American Communications online for the straight fact military or not non-military that are like. Anybody that doesn't – I have a lot of friends that don't like UFOs, period, so they don't want to play with me. But I've got UFO Association for those that like it, Alien Contact, UFO Association, ACO Association, and the ACO acronym with the government and without the government and Ace Folk Life for Smithsonian historians and without historians (laughs) – the reason is everybody fights with each other on this planet and with their different personalities. And uh, some want to be journalists, some want to be videographers, some want to be haters, some want to be lovers, some want peace, some want to be hippies, some want to smoke pot, some hate the people that smoke pot. So, some are programmed, some don't care, some are awake, some are awakened. <laughs> so it's a, it's just our reality. So let's work together. And if you can. I will send you a free book if you want to play, and I've got Patreon on here where I'm finally finally starting to going to say, y'all help me pay for this, and I will be transparent in my company, which only has five dollars in it, I think, or maybe six. I used to put two hundred a month in it, but I'm just spending my own money because it takes money to put all this out to get people to them. But Patreon.com forward slash Teresa J Morris. And I'm going to try to help Ken and the Mad get theirs up, and everybody can collect one dollar. Um, and uh, Alejandro Rojas did it, and that girl Chant Hannah on UFO News Network. I'm going to give her a plug because she seemed very nice. She just thought she got told Ken I was trying to collect money on groups, and then she goes on the Sunday show she does and promotes Alejandro Rojas, saying, "Please send them a dollar for." Patreon, so hey y'all, we're all gonna do it. So he runs the IUFO Congress, by the way. So you know, there, everybody can do it. Again. Wrong with asking for donations. Okay, well you keep there's helping me do that. Wrong with it at all? You know, you know that I, that's what I do on my radio show to run the radio station that I broadcast on. I mean, we're totally listener supported and raised. Almost three thousand a, a month to keep it going. Well, you can help be my team, whatever that is. But we got to do this together. And unless we all come together, even though we may have different 
ideas. It's people like us that are going to get it done because we have the information, and we're used to never share because we were programmed not to. But if I can come out of the closet and share all the different levels I've had, I think that's why I'm here. I was blessed to have been born here and had an ET family to train me, and then I died, and I went to White Sands, New Mexico, and met the UFO family again because my uncle worked at Los Alamos, and I think they wanted me to see how that worked. And then my uncles that worked at NASA, and then my husband worked at NASA, and I was in and out of NASA and got to meet very famous people. And, uh, you know... and then I, I worked for the presidents of the United States, two of them. So, you know, I remember Kennedy, and I've been working since Kennedy said we're going to space. I was six, I remember November 23rd, wasn't it, 1963? But I'm there, folks. I knew we had to be in space, and it's not the way I remember it was supposed to be. And if it's not for me and it's gotten worse, who's doing that? Because there's some very brilliant people out there. But I guess because we're a low-lying level of existence trying to grow back our emotions and the pain and all that is for a reason. So we can defend the universe out there, apparently. Not saying that I agree. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I got to see all the levels. But I was treated very nicely. But I was very well trained. And me and Russ and Ken and Ahmed will continue this. Ahmed, can you come back and help referee again? <laughs> well, I, if, if I'm around, I, I will. You know that. All right. I don't mind. We'll try this again. Ne- so blessed to everybody. Thank you, Russ, and hopefully come back on okay. Friday. <laughs> okay, right. bye-bye. Yeah, nice Thank you, Ahmed. Good night, Ken. Good night, Ahmed. Good night, TJ. Have a good one, Russ. Good night, God bless. Ken, it's been a pleasure meeting you tonight. Hopefully. Well, thank you, and uh, same here. Hopefully, right. we can get all uh, together. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I I wouldn't mind uh, talking to you into coming on my show sometime in the uh, recent uh, future. Monday night. Too Which Monday future. you got open? Yeah, not not too distant. I got all of them open at the moment. I've been working on my With book. Was Monday night, Ken? Some. Yeah, Wednesdays are absolutely taboo because I run the civil civil air patrol. Uh, local I, I, now Monday night. Monday night. Monday night. Hey, yeah. as you know, Can you put it down, Kim? Somebody's got to remind me the day before and the day of. A man, if it's well, okay, well, I'll help I'll, book your show for a while till you get I'll, your book I'll, written uh, or something. I'll uh, drop you an email and uh, we'll set All it up right. for a, a day uh, when you can. Good. That sounds good. Monday, I, Monday I think, preferably. I think my listeners like, would like to hear from you. I like a little acronym, S-L-A-P, SLAP. That sounds like a plan. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, I can't okay. hang up because I'm all messed up. So y'all hang up, and then when I, I'll hang up, okay, and it'll cut us off. Uh, all right. <laughs> you have a I enjoyed it. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Come back. It's going to get, come back get and better, referee. everybody. Take care. All right. Good night. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Mad. Come back Friday. Love you. Bye-bye.